Welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyons podcast. We hope that this message encourages you and blesses you. Happy Independence Day. Look at your neighbor and tell him happy Independence Day. I know it's tomorrow, but we're celebrating it all weekend, aren't we? How many have tomorrow off? I hope you all have tomorrow off and you're enjoying it. Um, So we live in a country that we are so blessed in. How many would agree with me? And it's all because of, you know, what, what was shared on that video and so much more people that gave their lives for this country, and we have so many freedoms here that you and I can express, come together here in a place of worship, and worship the God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords, amen. What a great privilege that is. Amen. Well, we're going to continue with the series I started last week, which is, Your Grace is Enough. Everybody say that with me. Your grace is enough. Again, how many are thankful for God's grace? You know, if you just think about that question and you reflect on where you would be without his grace, some of you can really think about that and think of the possibility that you may not be here today if it were not for the grace of God. How many would agree with me on that? I think that's most of us, if we're really honest with ourselves, that we would not be here if it were not for the grace of God In fact, God's grace is the greatest gift you and I will ever receive. It's better than Christmas. It's better than a trip to Disneyland or Cancun. Sorry, my sister-in-law, Lori. it's, It's the best gift you'll ever receive. Amen? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. All of you, when you hear those words, when you sing that song, can relate to it in some way, but those words ring true not only from 200 years ago when, those song, when that song was first penned, but today those words still ring true. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Amen. Again, last week I spoke to you on the fact that grace is unmerited, undeserved, is the unearned kindness and favor of God. And that's what God gives you. He says, here you go. Here you go. It's a gift. You don't have to do a thing for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do a thing for it. He gives you a gift. Look at your neighbor and just tell him it's a gift. It's a gift. Gifts are free. You don't pay for them. Amen? How many like gifts? We all do. We all love gifts. But here's what I started by saying last week. Over the years, I've seen a terrible misunderstanding of what grace is. In the church, outside the church, there's a misunderstanding of what God's grace is all about. And what I mean by that is some people will take it to mean that, well, I have received God's grace, therefore now I can go and do whatever I want. That's not grace. Some people are on the extreme opposite that you can't do anything because of, of, of laws and, and such. But this is what I want to talk to you about. There's nothing on your part that you can do to earn heaven. Amen? When we confess our sins and believe on Jesus Christ, sin is removed from our account and righteousness is then deposited into your account. Did you catch that? 
Sin is removed from our account and righteousness. But wait a minute, Pastor Rick, you don't know my past. You don't know what I did, where I've been, where I've gone. You don't know that. No, but God does. And God wipes that slate clean. How many are thankful for second chances? Third chances, right? Fourth chances, all of us. And that's what he does. He removes that, that sin and replaces that with righteousness. Yours? No, because you have none. But with God's righteousness. See, can I just tell you a secret? You're never, ever going to be good enough. None of you. None of you are ever going to be good enough. That's why you need Christ. That's why I need Christ in my life. Jesus is the only perfect one. How many would agree with me on that? Amen? He is our example. He died for our sins so that we could be in right standing with God. If he had not gone to the cross, we would be lost in our sins forever and ever. This is what grace is all about. That's the gift I'm talking about. The gift of salvation is what grace is all about. I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 4. That's where I'm going to be uh, reading with my first uh, text. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. It'll be on the screen for you as well. But Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5 says this, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Can I just read that one over again so you hear it? And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. I am so thankful for that scripture right there. It's telling you and I that we can't earn it, that we can't boast about it, that, that there's nothing you can do that will earn you the grace, the gift of God. Amen? Last week, I did touch on that subject of boasting so that when we get to heaven, nobody can say, well, you know, the reason I'm here, my lovely wife Anna, is because you saw me pray one hour every day. And then someone next to me will say, well, I prayed for two hours every day. And then someone next to that person will say, well, I prayed three hours every day. The Lord told us, hey, listen, buddy, none of what you do is going to get you into heaven. You can't boast about it. It's because of what he did. Amen? It's what he did. Not even Father Abraham, who's mentioned in Hebrews, the book of faith, chapter 11, is, is mentioned that he can't boast before God. He cannot boast before God, yet here's a hero of the faith. The Bible declares he could not stand before God and boast. Now that we've established that, let's go forward. The book of James, I want to read another scripture to you. James chapter 2. James chapter 2 and in verse 10 
says this, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Whoever keeps the whole law and just stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Aren't you thankful that we're not under the law anymore? We don't observe all the ceremonial laws, the mosaic laws of the Old Testament. Now, let me give you an example. Now, my, my sweet and wonderful wife, Anna, who's been living for the Lord since she was an early teenager, young teenager, she's not only sweet, but she's honest, she's ethical, she's, uh, she's not perfect, but she doesn't lie, she doesn't cheat, she doesn't steal. She's raised our two girls that way. She's treated me that way. But at some point, she done messed up in her walk with Jesus Christ, right? Because we all do. None of us are perfect. She has done messed up, and she would tell you those occasions, what they may be. And they're none of your business between her and God. Amen. But here's, here's my point. At some point, all of us have done messed up, right? We've done things where we fall short of the glory of God. We've made promises to the Lord. Well, if you save me out of this, I'll do this. And we fall short. Or I promise that I'll, and then you do it for a while, and then you stop. We've all done something like that. We fall short. And the reason we all mess up a few times or a whole lot of times is because we're not perfect Amen? We're not perfect. We need righteousness deposited in us, into our heart, into our spirit. So that's going to be my first point today. What is righteousness? What is righteousness? In the scripture I read, if we can put up Romans 4, 3 again. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Did you catch that? All he did was he believed God, and God said, I'm crediting you with righteousness. You are now righteous. Anybody ever get a credit in their bank statement? We always see the debit, the debit. Debit means outflow, which, what's going out. A credit is something that's coming in. When you get a credit, that's a good thing. That's, that's a paycheck. That's a deposit of some sort. And here... Abraham had this deposit into his spiritual tank, which was righteousness, which he didn't have before. Now, how about the righteous brothers? Were they righteous? Okay. I'm just kidding. But seriously, think about someone that you know that's an upstanding person, someone that you would think highly of, someone that you have uh, uh, immense, immense, uh, um, what would be the word, uh, that, that would walk with integrity, Someone that you know like that. And you might consider that person righteous, and rightly so. You would consider that person right, righteous. But let me ask you a question. Are they righteous because they do righteous things? Or do they do righteous things because they're righteous? Two different things. That's the difference between faith and works. Between faith and works. Does the person do right things because they're righteous? Or does that person do right things because God by grace made him right by God? Two different things. 
I don't want you to miss this. This is the important part of this sermon right here. Because how you understand this principle of God's grace will impact how you view God and how you view others. The way you see grace will affect how you see God. And if your approach is mistaken, or if it's not correct biblically, you're already off. So no matter how far you go, you're, you're off the path. When the correct path is this way, you're going this way. With good intentions, but you're off. And just as important, the way you see grace will also affect how you see people and how you treat people and the things that you mutter under your breath about people. Can I get an amen? I got quiet here. Whoa. Have you seen the modern-day Pharisees? They exist in our, in our world today. They judge you up and down. They don't say anything, but they judged you the minute they saw you. They don't have a proper understanding of grace. It's real simple. And what his righteousness is all about. They have right intentions. But his grace, everybody say his grace, is what makes us righteous in his eyes, not your eyes, not my eyes, in his eyes. What is righteousness? So we, we've got that established, but what is righteousness? Righteousness is, is standing or the right standing before our heavenly father. It means that I can stand and present myself be, before my heavenly father with nothing to fear because I'm in right standing with him. When you go before a judge, if you're in right standing, boom, he'll slam that gavel and say, case dismissed. Because now you are in right standing. When you are not in right standing, book them, Dano, and off you go. Amen? But when we're in right standing, it's the state of being right with God. doesn't matter what people think. It matters what he thinks. Amen? So let me ask you another question. Can a righteous person do an unrighteous deed? What's the answer? Yes, because that's us. We're not perfect. And I stated that already. We will fall. We will do something that falls short of the glory of God. So as righteous people, we can do unrighteous deeds. That could be all of us or any one of us. Can an, let me ask you another question. Can an unrighteous person... Do a righteous deed? Yes. The answer is yes, of course. I know many people that don't know the Lord, that don't walk with the Lord, that don't have a relationship with the Lord, that have never been in a church that do many righteous things, that are upstanding members of communities, that do wonderful things of their, with their giving of their time and their talents and their treasures. But the big question is this. Does the righteous deed that the unrighteous person does make him righteous? Does the righteous deed that the unrighteous person does make him righteous? Let me give you an illustration. Say I had a coworker, and we'll just call him Dan, who's not a believer, doesn't believe in God, doesn't go to church, has never been to church. 
And he just got a significant raise at work. He goes out to dinner to celebrate. And he leaves an enormous, a ginormous tip to the waiter. And then as he's leaving the restaurant, he's walking out. And he sees an elderly lady holding a bag of groceries ready to cross the street. And he runs to go help her. And he helps her cross the street. And as he gets across the street, all of a sudden he noticed this basketball rolling towards him from this playground where these kids are playing. And he grabs the basketball and he takes it and throws it over to the fence, over to where they're playing. And then as he's walking back to his car, he sees a homeless man on the corner begging for food. And he gives him a, some money for some food and tells him, bless you, you know. Hope you have a great day. Those are good things to do. How many would agree with me? Those are great things to do. Those are righteous things to do. Even unbelievers can do these. Now, here's another illustration. Suppose I have another coworker. He'll go unnamed. Okay. This man is a believer. He attends church, and he had a miserable day at work. He got home, bad attitude and everything. But he goes to dinner that night, doesn't even tip the waiter. Let that be a lesson. Believers, you better be tipping your waiters and waitresses. As he leaves the restaurant, he notices a little old lady holding a bag ready to cross the street and just ignores her. And at the same time, he sees this basketball rolling towards him, and he goes and then he kicks it out onto the street, and a truck comes by and runs it over. And then he sees the same homeless guy, or he notices a homeless guy, and he yells at him, get a job. Now, let me ask you a question. Does the righteous deed the unrighteous man did make him righteous? No. He needs the Lord, amen? He needs a Savior just like you and I do. But does the unrighteous deed the righteous man did make him unrighteous? The answer is still no. We know it's wrong to do unrighteous deeds, to do bad deeds. All of us here have sinned. And if you think about it, you can think of something you did this week where you sinned, you fell short. You may not have murdered somebody, but you did something that was not pleasing to the Lord. And the Bible says we will suffer consequences because of our deeds. Here's the important part of what I'm trying to tell you. As a believer, you're declared righteous because of your position rather than your performance. That unbeliever that had a bad day and did all these bad things, he was still righteous at the end of the day because of his position in Christ rather than his performance. Now, does God want you to behave like that? Of course not. He's working on us day and night, night and day to get us to do acts of, of goodness and righteousness. But it doesn't, our, our salvation isn't based on our performance. Are we, are we on the same page? Okay, amen. We're in right standing at the end of the day, not because of how good and holy I am, but it's because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. Amen. Second point I would ask you today is, 
Did Abraham earn it? How, what does that mean when I ask you that? Well, let's, let's read that scripture again. Romans chapter 4 and verse 3. If we can put that back up there. What does scripture say? Well, it says this. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. As I mentioned, this, this term credited, it's something you would find in, in banking. It, it's, uh, it reminds me of work, but... But it re it's regarding credits and debits and transfers and keeping records and all that good stuff. Abraham was credited with righteousness. Now, here's what I war want to warn you of as believers. If you're not careful, you will begin to keep credits or records, keep track of the righteous things you do. Knock it off. Don't, don't keep track, well, I did this and I did that and therefore I should be up here in God's eyes and in the view of God's people. It doesn't matter what people think. It matters what he thinks, amen? It matters what he thinks. Be vigilant because this is what the Pharisees did. The scriptures in, in the Gospels tell us that they would go about saying loud prayers and, and being on the street corner so that people would see them to see how holy they look, their good works. Don't be like a Pharisee. Amen? They were so proud of themselves because they thought they were better than everybody else. I'm going to go there right here. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6. All of us have heard this scripture, but you need to know this and hear this and understand this. The scripture says, all of us, and I looked it up in the Greek, all of us, what that means? And it means all of us, everyone, everybody. It says all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Did you catch that? All of your goodness, in fact, what it's saying is on your best day, think of the best day you ever had. I'm talking spiritually. And usually they're when you had a good day at work, but... Because everything's going good. Spiritually, you started off by prayer in the morning. You prayed good. You blessed somebody at work. You came home. You, you blessed the cashier at Walmart because they needed it. Um, you were just so good. It was a good day. God's blessings were on you. The birds were chirping and singing everywhere you went. There was a rainbow. I mean, you saw everything. I mean, God's creation at work. But listen to this. On your best day, your righteous acts are like filthy rags before God Almighty. Don't try to be some pers perfect person that you're not. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. He's given you His perfection, His righteousness. That's what helps you stand and puts you in good standing in front of Him. Amen? He counts your righteousness, he counts you righteous because of your belief in him. Think back to the very first day you repented and you said, Lord, I want to make you Lord of my life from this day forward. That moment, that day, not a minute later, not an hour later, not a day later, not a week later, not a month later, not a year later, that moment, God filled you with his righteousness. That moment. It's that that we're talking about today, his righteousness, his grace that is imparted to us. 
Let me just point out here that people don't go to hell because of their sins. They go to hell because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. Amen? So the answer to the question, did Abraham, or what, did Abraham earn it? No. Abraham did not earn it, yet it was credited to him because of his belief. Do you believe today? Amen? That's the question. Do you believe today? Do you believe that God has filled you with righteousness, his righteousness? Some days we don't feel like that. I know that because we feel all icky and, uh, and ugly and because we do icky and ugly things. But don't forget, God's still giving you his righteousness. The enemy's trying to steal that righteousness from you that God has given you. My third and final point is this. What did Abraham have to do? Well, I want to turn to, have you turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 6. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 28 through 29, listen to these words of Jesus. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe in the one he has sent. It's very simple. God wants you just to believe. When you begin to believe, he, can, he has somebody that he can work with. Amen? When he has somebody who wants to believe. Let me get back to Abraham here for a second. We can think of Abraham because he's mentioned profoundly in the Old Testament. And as I mentioned in the book of Hebrews, the chapter of faith, chapter 11. And we can tend to have this misconception or uh, this perception that he was a powerful and perfect man because of his great faith. But he wasn't. In fact, Abraham was not always counted as righteous. He was a sinner just like you and I. Abraham is the same man that on two different occasions was traveling with his wife and two times he lied and told people that was his wife or his sister, not his wife. Two different times. On another occasion, the Bible says that he slept with his housekeeper. Of course, his wife said, can't give you any kids. I want you to sleep with my handmaiden, my housekeeper. And he did. And he had a child out of wedlock. This is the man described in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Think about that. Amen? So what did Abraham do? So what did he do? Well, in the book of Genesis, the great story of where the Lord wants to bless the nation of Israel. He wants to bless Abraham first. He tells them he wants to bless them, and Abraham believed, and that's why we read that scripture, because he believed it was credited to him as righteousness. God forgave him for all that past, all the nonsense, and he said, I credit you. I fill your account now with righteousness. Amen? But Jesus said in, in verse 29 of those two scriptures we just finished reading, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And I would ask you right now as I begin to close today, I would ask you this. Have you believed? Have you believed? 
Why don't you stand with me today? Do you believe just here in your mind? Is it just head knowledge? Is it just you read a book, you read a verse, you attended a, a service one day and that was it? Or is this an everyday practical part of your life? Do you believe? Lord, help us to believe that not only you are the Son of God, but the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world. God does take the sins of the world away. And God's grace is enough for each of us. How many would agree with me on that? God's grace. If you just bow your heads right now, just close your eyes. And today, there's somebody in here has come to this place. And they have felt inferior before God. They felt their life could never measure up. And God is wanting you to know this day. I believe the Holy Spirit is telling you this right now. You are his child and he loves you. You are his child and he loves you. And he wants you to know that his grace is enough. His grace will carry you. His grace will walk with you, will be with you every day of your life. As you believe in Him, as you trust in Him, as you put all of your faith and trust in Him. Lord, we thank you today that your grace is enough. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. For your precious grace, your precious love towards each of us. We are so undeserving, Lord, but yet we thank you right now. Here we are as imperfect people, thanking you today for the very grace you have bestowed upon each of us. Thank you that you are so good, you are rich in mercy. A God that loves us, a God that cares for us. A God that has deposited grace in our account today. We love you, and we praise you. Now I pray, Lord, for each one here today that we would not view others and judge others just as the Pharisees did who did not understand what grace was all about. But, Lord, we as believers in Christ that have grace bestowed upon us, that we would be able to love on those people Love on that homeless man. Love on the cashier at Walmart. Lord, love on those that you love. For Lord, you knew them in their mother's womb. And yet you love them still. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for, your, for the cup that you filled today with your grace. Let me carry and let me walk with this grace every day of my life. From today going forward, no looking back on maybe how I used to look at grace. But Lord, you are the one. You are the one. It's up to you. You give grace. And we receive it. We give you thanks again today. 
you just lift your hands, I'm going to pray a blessing over you as we do every Sunday. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in Jesus' wonderful name. God bless you. Have a great Sunday and enjoy your 4th of July tomorrow and the rest of your week. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more information, be sure to check out our Facebook page at Foothill Christian American Canyon.